Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Maybe one day one of you will write about in jail. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hey, how's it going, everyone? That's Kevin. Oh, Kevin's not here. He's out of town. In his place is the producer uh, of the Mighty Ducks, bunch of, including a bunch of other things, Jordan Kerner. Thanks for uh, being on, Jordan. Pleasure. Always love talking about Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Us too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I know you're kind of limited on time. So just how did you kind of get into producing and then into Joining the Mighty Ducks. Uh, well, do you have an hour and a half? <laughs> <laughs> um, into producing um, film school and graduate school after that and just always wanted to tell stories and wanted to tell stories that make people laugh and cry and think about their lives and people around them. And um, that's how producing began and Mighty Ducks. Guy named Steve Brill, um, who with Pete Berg came up with uh, an idea um, for this. They're both hockey players. Uh, they Steve had written a script, and uh, um, he brought that script in, and the script itself was terrific. It didn't have, as we know now, the sort of Emilio uh, and and Charlie father son story. I added that to it. Mm-hmm. Um, to give the weight to the, to the movie. It was mostly just a straight out, uh, comedy and, uh, we added some emotion and, um, that was the beginning of Mighty Ducks. We, uh, did a couple drafts together and took it into Disney and about, uh, five months later we were prepping the movie. Awesome. It was the fastest of any film that I've ever produced from turning in a spec script to shooting a movie. Wow. So, so you were kind of involved, uh, right from the beginning. And always. And I think a lot of people kind of know generally what a producer does, but kind of what is your role like on a day to day basis with a film? Well, let's go before a film. Okay. Um, the idea nine times out of ten starts with me or someone in my company. And uh, it could be an original idea. It could be something we read in a newspaper and we option it or in a book. Um, and we option that, like Charlotte's Web or Less Than Zero or um, any books like that. Um, or a cartoon like The Smurfs or George of the Jungle. Uh, Inspector Gadget, you know, optioning those. Um, and then coming up with a unique point of view on how to tell the story. Um, we do all of that and usually write a two to five page treatment and then go out to writers and have see what writers see the take as we see it. And if we feel that they can execute, then we work together with them to sort of put together a 20-page document that is the full story. And then we go into a studio um, for a motion picture or a network for a television series. And we pitch it to them, a number of them, and then someone we hope at some point wants to join us and they'll provide finance and distribution. 
um, to that, and then together we develop the screenplay, and then once the screenplay is greenlit, we hire a director, and with that director, I cast the movie, and I'm on the set all day long, every day. Um, I sit next to the director and want to make sure that he or she, that we have the same point of view on what the film needs to be, and um, normally I sit quietly and admire their work, um, and sometimes I sit quietly, admire their work, but think, what if we tried it this way? <laughs> and say that to them, and then we go another way and try it both ways, and mm -hmm. when we get to the editing room, we have a choice. So, um, And then the same is true in post-production. After the end of the shooting of the movie, I, the director gets his or her um, uh, directing cut, of the movie and then they bring me in early and I look at it with them and we work together on shaping it more and then we show it to the distributor again whether that is a studio for motion pictures or whether that is a, um, a network um, cable or digital distributor for uh, television um, and I've only produced in my life one fully independent film the film was called Fry Green Tomatoes mm -hmm. And we didn't have a studio in that. It was we raised money from different parties, and then we made the movie. Um, this was in the day before crowdsourcing <laughs> and all that. We had to go out and try to squeeze money out of as many people as we could around the world to make the film. So. Okay. Okay. So uh, when you're, I guess, in casting, and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, when he was promoting Southpaw, he had mentioned that he was uh, – he was auditioning, or he had gotten the Mighty Ducks a uh, role in the Mighty Ducks. Uh, what do you remember about the young Jake Gyllenhaal? Um, he was in the broader casting process, and we liked him a lot. Um, but when you're casting, and also, you know, he was ten mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, or eleven. When you're casting in that way, um, you are looking for a particular character. And um, sometimes uh, uh, you see a number of people and one person at, at whatever age or whatever role you're casting, that person feels that they feel right to you and the director and right to the studio, then that's the person you cast. When you're seeing hundreds and many hundreds as we did uh, on the Mighty Ducks, it would be very hard for me to tell you um, what any particular <laughs> Uh, remembrances were the reason I have any remembrance because normally I would have mm -hmm. an actor in that situation because you know we'll see 30 actors for that role every hour and a half mm -hmm. um, and the the casting director has seen thousands <laughs> at that point these are open calls because we're looking for you know fresh voices but Jake's dad was in the business and so I knew when he came in and um I wanted to make sure that we gave him, a, his father's an amazing artist, and we wanted to make sure that we gave him a real fair shot, and we did, and it just wasn't going to be, it wasn't his day that day getting the right role. Okay, okay. So, uh, we talked to a couple of, uh, of the actors, and they had mentioned that, I think every one of them lied about knowing how to play hockey. Uh, did you kind of expect that out of them? It didn't matter. Some of the players, some of the actor players that we had on our team were actors and some were hockey players. And we had uh, 16 weeks before the shooting, we had hockey camp and we had acting camp. So for those <laughs> who 
played hockey but never had acted before. We had a lot of rehearsals for them, and they worked with the kids who were actors. They worked with the director. They worked with various people to help them um, be able to play their roles. Um, and for the acting kids who uh, either said they they had uh, hockey skills or they didn't, we obviously gave them a skills test right away, and we knew exactly where they were on the spectrum. And by the time they finished, they were all hockey players. <laughs> Now, what were some of the challenges of working with um, basically a bunch of kids, kind of like an ensemble cast of, you know, a dozen kids as opposed to adults? Is it better? Is it worse? Do you enjoy it more? Or I guess are the different challenges presented? Well, it, there's there's two factors. One is is that you're dealing with a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, a little less in Mighty Ducks 1 when they were 10, 11. But the moment they got to be 13, 14 for the second movie, a lot of emotion. So everybody's changing. Also, their voices are changing. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is when you shoot a movie and you have someone who's speaking in an alto, but by the time we are in post-production and we need to re-record some dialogue, they're speaking as a tenor or a baritone because they're 13 and they're boys and their voices have changed. Um, that's a real challenge. It was a huge challenge, actually, in the second movie. Mm-hmm. The other thing about working with that many kids um, there are a few things. Um, one, one, two other things is one, these are not just uh, 10, 11 year olds or 13, 14 or 16, 17 year olds, depending upon which of the three movies. But there are those people moving 20, 30 miles an hour on the ice. So the moment you yell cut, you have two teams that are out scattered on a rink screwing around. And <laughs> You know, it was it was hilarious and it was funny and we have a lot of great footage of, of silly things going on. But when you wanted to keep the production moving, you really had to get out there. So I had to learn how to skate and the director had to learn how to skate. And everybody was out there uh, always trying to manage the, the insanity that was happening on the ice. Um, that's one. The other is that especially with people under 18 and... Uh, and so categorized as minors, you have a parent or a guardian with them. And that's an entirely different team that you also have to become close to and manage and make sure that everybody is, is doing the right thing for, for the particular actor. Um, and they're doing the right thing for, you know, their, that's their child or their guardian. Um, uh, or they're doing the, and they're doing the right thing for the movie. And mm-hmm. those interests aren't always aligned. And when there's trouble, and I sort of made it very clear very early on um, that we were all a team and we would treat each other with, you know, love and respect. And when that didn't happen, that they would get a warning. And then if that didn't change anything, they could know that if it happened again, they didn't even need to call me. They could just go back to the hotel because there'd be a car and two tickets waiting to send them home. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you think that's going to be enough to make everybody figure out let's all do this together and then of course we were still in the prep of the first movie and we had a problem with one of the young actors and one and one of his relatives and um we uh i gave the warning and then about two days later it all happened again and you know it was very important for the whole for the you know what was going to happen it's sort of drawing that red line in the sand what are you going to do and i called his mom and him in and said, um, there's a seven o'clock flight and we'll see you <laughs> and sent him home. Uh, one of the leading actors 
and one of the other not not at the same level of lead actor moved up um, and we hired someone else to fill the smaller role and we were everybody was happy and kept going the next morning and we never had another problem you know, it's it's very interesting that you you mentioned that because we did speak to uh, one of the actors. I think you're alluding to um, young man who played uh, Larson, who um, I guess was uh, potentially going to be moved up to uh, Banks because he told us that the uh, original kid who's going to play Banks was, I guess, uh, asked to you know, no thank you, you guys can leave. Uh, is that the person you're alluding to, the original Banks? As, as much as I love Vinny and everybody else that you're talking about, I won't. Because I, I want to protect the person, so I won't say what that was. That's all right. Okay. Um, you you mentioned uh, you know managing the insanity. Is there um, you know an insane moment that you look back on and you're just kind of like, wow, that was a lot of fun, or wow, that was really really frustrating. Um, there, the moments on the ice with the kids scattering were so numerous and so full of fun or frustration that they enter a sort of large collective memory. I do remember, actually with Emilio, um, we were shooting uh, in St. Paul in a big square, and it was a winter carnival, it's called, with lots of big ice sculptures and all that in the first movie. And it's a moment where where um, Gordon, Emilio, is, uh, you know, Char- Charlie's the, the sort of the captain of the team, and... Mm-hmm. Emilio's talking to his mom and something's going on between them and it's about 50 degrees below zero and (laughs) this is the moment of the only kiss right and Mm -hmm. they kiss and director says cut and they can't because their lips have frozen together (laughs) and it was frightening because had they pulled back I mean we luckily we had you know, a lot of Minnesota crew who knew exactly what had happened. And he, all them yell, don't move. And the makeup artist with a warm bottle of water um, came up and poured the water so they could disengage. But they could have literally ripped their lips off. <laughs> had that happened. But yes, it was a funny moment and a frightening moment at the same time, but one I'll never forget. Okay, so... Uh, you mentioned that you kind of added the Gordon Bombay, uh, Charlie Conway storyline. How close were was was D two to kind of the original idea and D three to the original idea? Well, we developed D two and D three, so there was no other idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they were they were the movies that we developed. We had a we all had exactly what we did on D two as the idea we wanted to make. On D three, we had. A couple of ideas, one that I in particular really wanted to do, um, but the studio didn't want to do it, so we went with a secondary idea. Um, in all cases, the completion of the Gordon-Charlie storyline was there, and the Haunts story and all that, but um, uh, the actual underlying story was going to be very different in terms of what we originally said that we wanted to, to make all of us creatively and studio you know ultimately they they have a, because they put all the money up they have a final say and went to a story that we liked just as much but it was different can you uh, offer some insight into maybe some details in that the original story, story? we wanted to do was a story where um we wanted to do things very you know boldly and i look at franchises 
you know, where you have multiple movies, because I came out of ABC on shows like Moonlighting and things where characters grow and change, right? They evolve. <laughs> and we wanted our characters to grow and change and evolve. And we wanted to keep the audience on its toes. So we, um, we, ha I had this idea that what I wanted to, was to jump sort of 20 years in the future. And it would be a bar, and we would be in that bar, we'd open on that, and we would see a bunch of guys who looked kind of familiar to us in their 30s, you know, mid-30s, early 40s, um, sitting at the bar talking about that their coach is sick and they've got to go see him and all that. And we would have actors like Jim Belushi playing Goldberg, <laughs> ultimately Marty Sheen, playing Amelia. Oh, wow. Right? So yeah. it was really interesting, and it was going back and forth, and they had memories about a certain game, and then we would shoot that that game sort of takes over the movie in their memories as they're talking, and, you know, we're seeing it from different points of view of the characters that we've now grown to love, and we see it from the point of view of the actors who were then 17 or 18, Mm -hmm. or the actors who were 35 or 40. And I just thought it was, you know, for people like me who love sports, that that kind of different perspective on a sports movie, seeing it mm -hmm. from two ages of the same character, would have been a really interesting and much-talked-about film. Um, you can understand why the studio was a little nervous, because it wasn't <laughs> just the happy-go-lucky, you know, we're going to play another Mighty Ducks game. It was... Although that was certainly in it, it was different. And of course, the coach Bombay was going to, did pass away in that movie. And it was Marty playing that. Um, but we, because Marty had said, yes, he would do that. And so we had it all lined up. And then Ultimate Studio said, no, we think they go to high school. Oh, oh. my goodness. That's amazing. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, once you do that, then you commit and you make the very best story that you can in terms of where their rivalry comes from and mm -hmm. for them of course they were freshmen and the rivalries of the seniors and uh you know a few of those guys a few of those senior guys have uh have gone on to do quite well and uh you know we know you don't have too much time left um but it's about 20 years after uh you know d3 uh, and we spoke with uh Matt Doherty who played uh, Averman in the series and he mentioned that d4 is is a little bit more than just a pipe dream. Is there a D4 uh, potentially in the mix? Because I really like that storyline. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, uh, we we had a, an idea about that, and we pitched it to Disney. Disney is a very different company today than it was then. Mm -hmm. And 20 years ago, Disney was in the business of making live action, what we call domestic comedies. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you know, they were films that played predominantly in North America, but could play elsewhere in the world. Hockey has never been a, a subject matter that's traveled except to about six countries. It travels a little bit, but not hugely. Mm -hmm. And Disney's become a company that makes these huge and fantastic blockbusters. You know, Maleficent and Cinderella and, you know, those types of Alice in Wonderland those types of movies that soon coming up Beauty and the Beast, live action versions of their classic animated films. So they're looking to hit 
not the home run, but the grand slam every mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So they're not looking for the double, right? The mm -hmm. triple, which is what Mighty Ducks was. And it, I think that they've tried a number of sports films in the last few years that haven't succeeded for them. I, of course, think we'd make a much better film. They made lovely films, but we're a film that's in a lot of people's hearts mm -hmm. and certainly in all of us who made them. And, um, you know, so it was a, a way of, uh, we, we had a, three different ideas that we pitched them. And ultimately they just decided that, that they would rather it go to ABC family, which is a Disney company or one of those things rather than doing it as a theatrical. But, um, uh, so I don't know what the, at this moment in time, what the actual status is going to be, but um, we're still chipping away at one or two levels of Disney. Okay. I'm thinking a straight to Netflix, gritty, you know, TVMA <laughs> would be right up that D4 alley. I don't know that that's going to happen. <laughs> um, because Disney likes, you know, they're a big conglomerate, so they like yeah. to control their own distribution. Yeah. But... Um, but I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying that it, it is somewhere between uh, a sort of mythic dream for all of us and um, maybe at a different time um, or maybe some little miracle will happen. And God knows with, with the Mighty Ducks, miracles have happened all over the place. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I know you got to go to a meeting, so we'll uh, let you go on that. Thank you so much for joining us, Jordan. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Take it easy. See ya. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. All right. So, as we mentioned, Jordan has to go to a meeting, but a lot of stuff there. Uh, Tommy, just what's your biggest takeaway? I think the biggest takeaway, um, honestly, was the, the D3 revelation with Martin Sheen agreeing to be old uh, Coach Bombay. And dying. Yeah. Coach Bombay was going to die. I think that's – that like – you talked about, like, the little gritty Netflix. Like, yeah. that kind of sounds a little bit like it. Like, Oh, yeah, definitely. Going to a bar, and, I mean, you got Goldberg, who probably owns the bar, got away from the family delicatessen, maybe. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, kind of disappointed on the Mighty Ducks 4 talk. Like, it's a, some, basically a miracle. So. Well, I think um, we're in the business of creating miracles, so... Uh, I think the Quackalites need to help spread the word. And, uh, you know, there is, a, as you said, you know, crowdsourcing GoFundMe now. And uh, maybe we, if you show a little bit of interest, Disney might, uh, you know, reconsider. Yeah. I mean, I think Matt was talking about the rights and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's where it kind of comes from, where Disney doesn't want to do it. But if they can get the rights, I feel like they could do it and grow it uh, to, like, a point where, where they would be – I mean – where they would be able to like do it on their own because it's basically going to be like printing money. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I don't know. It, it, like, um, like Jordan said, it, it touches like so many people. And so if you think like everyone basically from like 25 to 35 has seen the Mighty Ducks or at least heard about it. And so it's, it seems like it would be stupid not to do it, but it's really interesting all of the stuff that kind of goes on behind the scenes. Like you have all these, I'm sure Jordan, Jordan can talk about this, but there's probably, you know, thousands of great scripts that just don't get touched or they're bought, but then something is never done with it because of red tape or politics or something like that. Yeah, it's just disappointing because, like, last, I guess two weeks ago we had Doherty saying it's going to, like, they're working on it, and now it's kind of a mythical dream, but 
I don't know. Uh, he didn't say it wouldn't happen, so... That's true. And he said miracles have happened with the Mighty Ducks before, so we'll... The Minnesota Miracle Man <laughs> is what they called him. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, disappointed that we didn't get anything good on the Adam Banks situation. Yeah, one day. This is our, uh, you know, our white whale, really. Yeah, that uh, anybody really out there who is in contact with the original Adam Banks or his parents hit us up. Yeah, Jordan did a really good job of essentially confirming what we know without confirming it. <laughs> it was a uh, it was nice to hear that uh, Casey uh, is a reliable source. Yeah, maybe we might have to go back to Casey Garvin. All right, any other takeaways here? Um, not particularly. I thought it was uh, interesting hearing about how he uh, he was the one who added the the father son thing to uh, Emilio and uh, and Josh Jackson. That really uh. You know, that essentially drove the movie, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why he's been a producer for so long. Yeah, and it's like, if if uh, if it's just like a slapstick comedy, do you think DT, D2 and D3 get made? That's a good question. I don't know, because, like, the first one has to be a success, and if it's just, like, that, uh, like, I don't know how we well, think about like, that whole the little The Little Giants is, is kind of like that. While they do have like kind of like the the father and daughter thing, it's not really you know as you know doesn't pull the heartstrings like Mighty Ducks does. So there's no Little Giants too, is there? If there is, it was like, it was one of those like straight to VHS. <laughs> I know they made like a second Angels. They made like Angels in the End Zone or something. Yeah. BS like that. So. Yeah, they also made like six Airbuds. So you never know. That's true. Those were all like straight to DVD though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. I mean, before we go, I just want to reiterate what I wrote on the website. If you haven't seen it, just thank you to everybody who's been sharing and listening and telling all their friends. Uh, please go to iTunes, give us five stars, give us a review because that helps iTunes like recognize us. So that like that's how you really get up in the charts, you know. And, you know, if that happens, D4 is going to happen. I'm confident if we uh, grow this following, it will. Yeah. If we can prove to Disney that there's a fan base out there that will spend money, it will basically give them money, they'll do it. So do that. Go to quacktech.com. Contact us if you're in contact with the original Adam Banks. Or if you just want to say hello. At quacktechpod on Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash quacktechpod. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together.